Good evening to you and welcome to the 12th edition in this series of Preview. I'm Joseph Hadfield. And I'm James Knight. And in this edition, we look back on the final race of the 2021 Formula One World Championship, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that has has sparked controversy and criticism from many fans, both both lovers and haters of Formula One alike. We're going to touch on that in great detail, looking at all the reasons why and wherefore and and what actually happened that's led to outrage on on such a massive scale we'll also dissect what it meant as a result of that and the new formula one world champion and uh, we'll also look back on uh, on the end for Kimi Raikkonen after 349 Grand Prix starts he's he's hanging up his helmet for the final time. And uh, there's also plenty more to discuss in this, the uh, the final Grand Prix review of the season on Preview. Hold on, I've just realised I've done that and we haven't even done the trivia question. Where am I going with this this episode? Never mind. Uh, Too excited. I'm too excited for this. Before we get into uh, to all the action, um, James has got the uh, the trivia question. Yeah, I've gone for something a bit different this time. Um, quite a simple question. How many separate components is a Formula One car made up of? Oh, good grief. I'll give you... Right, okay, I'll give you a little bit of a clue. You can have it to the nearest 10,000. Oh, dear. <laughs> Right, okay. So uh, I'll get thinking of that. And um, all, all non-Formula 1 fans would say, well, it's five, isn't it? Four, wi- four wheels and a car uh, and, a, and a chassis and that's it. Uh, but there you are. So uh, I will get thinking of that. Uh, well, he, he says thinking, more in plucking a random number out of thin air in about 45 minutes' time. But... Uh, there we are. James is looking for the number of components that make up a 2021 spec Formula One car. And uh, I've got no idea, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best in uh, in about 45 minutes time. Now, as I was uh, meant to say about five minutes ago, rather than getting straight to the matter at hand, we're going to do this chronologically for anyone who who somehow still doesn't know what happened. And to repeat my point from about three minutes ago, um, qualifying is where we'll start. Red Bull did knock it out the park, supposedly on uh, su- supposedly uh, the the slower car, shall we say? We know uh, the Mercedes has the pace, as was seen in Brazil. He had the Brazil engine in the back, and Max Verstappen goes what three and a half tenths, four tenths, nearly half a second quicker than Hamilton in the same track all because of this tow truck tactic that uh, that Red Bull decided to use. Perez giving a slipstream to Verstappen. And the big question is, why didn't Mercedes try that and get Bottas in front of Hamilton, do we think? They just thought Bottas were going to break test Hamilton as a final hurrah. No, I don't know. It was it was a weird one. I'd, I actually don't know how much of an impact the tow truck tactic would have had in the end because Max just looked ridiculously quick. He really got it hooked up and on his second lap um, that he didn't end up completing um, because he'd already got pole position locked in. He was quicker again and they didn't use the slipstream that time. Um, But yeah, I'd I'd have thought Mercedes had tried it just to try and stay, stay kind of level, stay in the game, look a bit more active. But I think they were confident that 
that Lewis had got it in the bag and then Max turned up and put in an absolutely blistering lap um, with Perez punching a nice big hole down the back straight for him. Um, yeah, it was a brilliant lap, to be fair. Um, it surprised me having watched practice. I thought thought Lewis was going to walk it. Uh, he looked really, really quick on his quality runs and on, and on his um, long runs. But yeah, well done, Max. Again, another fantastic qualifying session from him. We saw it in Saudi until he smashed it into the wall. And uh, we've seen it again in Abu Dhabi. Well, we knew what was at stake. And uh, well, we'll get into it. We might as well. Uh, to the race, Verstappen on pole, Hamilton second. There was all the worry about it being a Senna Pro Suzuka 1990. Although it was fantastic for Murray Walker to uh, to commentate on, we didn't want that happening again. Thankfully, it didn't. But uh, five corners later, and uh, we got something, shall we say. Uh, Hamilton aced the start as, well, as we'd probably imagined he would. Uh, got the lead down to turn six, which is the, the chicane bit between the two DRS straights. Obviously, it's a, a, br- a sort of a change circuit now. Um, rather than you've got a stupid little hairpin down at turn five, that's now a sort of a, a more wider, straight hairpin, shall we say, much better corner. And you've got all the, the Mickey Mouse corner at uh, down at the near the marina that is now just a banked corner around at turn nine turn six though this chicane between the two main straights Verstappen does what we expected him to do or what we know he potentially might do don't give a monkeys about what could happen goes for as and Senna once said if you no longer go for a gap you're no longer a racing driver um he did go for the gap ambitious to say the least um he made the corner, shall we say. Hamilton had to run wide and run off and cut the corner. Kept in front. Red Bull obviously got on to, to Sassy Massey as per. And uh, no inv- investigation necessary. Do we think that Hamilton gave the adba- advantage back by the end of the first lap? I think it's hard to tell, um, if I'm totally honest. Because Max, yeah, Max got alongside and, you know, therefore then lost 1.8 seconds on Lewis once Lewis had driven off into the sunset, having gone wide. But I just, I don't know if I'm living on a different planet to everyone else because I, you know, I've done quite a lot of competitive sim racing in, in leagues and stuff. And if I'd have sent my car flying down the inside and forced another car off the track because there is no road left because I'm now there. I would have got a penalty for that. And there didn't seem to be much uproar from all the commentators about this. For me, if you're flying down the inside like that, it's not just making the corner. I I, I do honestly think that you should be giving a little bit more room to the other car. Because if we'd have been at somewhere like Baku, for instance, that would have been championship over. And just because there's runoff, like we see at a lot of these new tracks where it's like a car park doesn't make that all right. And I, I thought it was very aggressive. And if I were Lewis, I'd have flown off into the sunset and been straight on the radio saying, what's he done? But no one seemed to have an issue with it. Um, did Lewis give the advantage back? Maybe not fully, but the stewards seemed to be happy with it. Red Bull didn't actually put up that much of a fight. So maybe maybe they did seem to think that he did as well. I don't know. What's your opinion on this? Because I don't know if I'm just too nicey-nicey when it comes to racing. Well, for me, I think it's it's a doubt. We know Verstappen's going to make those kind of moves. It, it, we've seen it before. It's that kind of, I'm going for this gap. And if you're still there, well, then that's your fault. Hamilton obviously knows that if he doesn't shift, Verstappen's going straight into him and it's game over for both of them. And obviously that's the title over. For me, Verstappen, okay, he's in his... He's got his right to make the move. But, well, it's Verstappen, isn't it? You sort of... You can't really do it. Well, it is spoilt child syndrome, isn't it? It's like you can tell him all you want, 
that he shouldn't do something, he's still going to do it. But I don't think Hamilton gave enough advantage back because, well, what? how, how much advantage did, did he really gain from it? Probably a second, maybe a second and a half. It was still a second and a half and even more by the end of lap one and as we built on. So I don't think he gave the advantage back. I disagree with that. If he'd have gave the advantage back, I don't think it'd have made much difference though, because let's be fair, that Mercedes was stupidly quick. So he was getting in front regardless. And then really for, well, for 50 odd laps, nothing. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary anyway. Okay. Until Nicholas Latifi. Now, before we get into this, I've seen comments because Nicholas Latifi's had to take a, an Instagram post down about like sort of thanking George Russell for, for being his teammate for a couple of years before he goes to Mercedes. He's had to delete it because of the amount of, of hate he's been getting for this. It's this scenario has nothing to do with Nicholas Latifi crashing his car. Any driver at any circuit could have done this at any point in the race. The person that is at fault here, or the persons, shall we say, that are at fault here is Michael Massey and the FIA. Yeah. Right. Latifi crashes at turn 14, sort of near the end of the lap. First question is, a safety car was a definite minimum for it because he's smashed. It's gone all over the track. Fair enough. Should it have been red flag, do we think? Yes. I, 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 I think so. We've, we've had red flags. There's this precedent for this. We've had red flags where a car is there just off the racing line. You know, it's, it's the, one of the only thin parts of the entire circuit. And very quickly... The, the brakes started to overheat and caught fire. The moment you see flames, red flag. It might be nothing, but I'd rather I'd rather in the interest of safety and to make sure that you know you've got no drivers driving past as the flames start growing or marshals have got to get on track trying to fight a fire with 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 moving parts around them. Yeah, just just even from a safety perspective, red flag it. Correct. Even from an entertainment point, if if that is you know, it's an entertainment as well as a sport. You red flag it because you're allowing then the closest start, the closest finish to a championship that's fair. But they half-assed it. They did, and did a little safety car, which I thought was weird because especially when it caught fire, you're going, well, that's the race over. We're going to finish the best championship season. Pootling round at 50 miles an hour. Well done, Lewis, though. Good championship. But what they did was entirely different. Exactly. Now, if it had been any other race, finishing under the safety car, fair enough. That's fine as we saw with the idiotic Belgium, well, I can't, I'm not even calling it a race or a Grand Prix, the the two laps at Spa-Francorchamps just to generate a result. The slip and slide. Exactly. The fact that they didn't red flag it, they didn't have to, fair enough. Cars were still fine to go past it. And it was only a small fire, they dealt with it. And in all fairness, the marshals got it sorted in about three laps, which is incredible. They were very quick. They were very quick. But obviously, they knew what was at stake here. There is a championship on the line. And I think all the the decision-making and the opinions and the, the motivation, shall we say, potentially were influenced by the fact that the championship was at stake here. You've got so many people watching, as we mentioned It was free to air in the UK on Channel 4. It was free in the Netherlands. It was available all around the world. Everyone watching the greatest F1 season of modern history, arguably. Yeah. And 
they pootle around under the safety car, they get it cleared up, and then all this basically with so in other ways to, to describe it for those who haven't seen it the usual procedure for re resuming a race from the safety car is there was hamilton behind the safety car then there was five cars that had been lapped by hamilton and verstappen or sorry lapped by hamilton that were in front of verstappen then there was another two cars, Ricardo and Stroll between Verstappen and Sainz, who had been lapped. And then Mick Schumacher was between Sainz and Tsunoda. Now, in the usual circumstances, all the cars that have been lapped, all eight that were left, would go past the safety car, go back round the circuit and join up at the back. And the message came up that lap cars aren't allowed to overtake. Fair enough. It's not mandatory that they have to. But then after Christian got on the radio to Michael Massey, why have we got these lap cars in the way? He has a bit of a, a rethink and lets the front five that are between Verstappen and Hamilton through. Ricardo, Stroll and Schumacher are not allowed to move, but those five are. So it brings Verstappen and Hamilton next to each other behind the safety car. And then as soon as that's done, let's get the safety car in. And there's one lap left. Let's sort it out. Now, this is forgetting the fact that Hamilton was already on stupidly old hard tyres that were pretty much knackered. Verstappen had pitted, fair enough, under a safety car and got fresh softs because they knew it could happen. Merck couldn't gamble. They restart the race for this final lap. Hamilton is a sitting duck, basically. Verstappen dive bombs at turn five, overtakes Hamilton. And because there's no DRS or anything, Hamilton can't really do out, nearly gets alongside him into turn nine. But that's it. Game over. Verstappen is world champion. What are your overriding thoughts to that last five minutes of the Grand Prix? Anger. Is probably the, the the main one. I think we were we were robbed um, of a fair race in the end. I think, and I, I touched on this last last episode. We haven't heard the the team radios between uh, Charlie Whiting and and the teams. It's it's only this season that we've heard this, but all we have heard is. Teams complaining, and then Michael Massey trying to do deals and compromises left, right, and center. If a manager's on the side of a football pitch screaming and shouting, the referee says, Shut up, or you're going into the stands. Not, Oh, penalty do you want? All right, well, how about a free kick just outside the box? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that then. I'll not give him a red card, I'll give him a yellow instead. Does that, does that make you happy? No, there's rules. If you're if you are the race director, you make the decision and you stick to it. You don't flip flop, especially when there is so many people watching. There is so many millions on the line, and we have the most important championship in modern history on the line. And it was how it was so reassuring. You know, oh, no, no, no lap cars are going to overtake, and you go, hmm, strange, but fine. That's your prerogative. You've made your decision. And then to, they were only just coming, and obviously I know there's a little bit of a lag time, but it very much felt like they were coming into sector three and it was end, end of sector two, beginning of sector three. All right, lap cars can now overtake. We're now resuming the race. And all of a sudden you've got Toto going, hang on a minute. No, <laughs> you cannot do this. And literally said that down the radio. Yeah. And Michael then has the gumption to turn around to him and say, this is called a motor race. We are having a race. It's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> You've just completely messed up the end of a season and then starts getting sassy for the first time in his career. Then it was bizarre. Now, they're arguing over 
this point about letting some cars through. Now, before we say, before we say this, Verstappen won the race. No bones about that. Verstappen won. Yeah. And was I've not even though I was rooting for Hamilton and a Mercedes fan and what have you, I have no problem at all with Max Verstappen winning the world title and winning the Grand Prix. No problem at all about that. He's he's arguably been the best driver. And Hamilton equally would have been in, in the same ballpark. So I had no problem with whoever won it. It's how the race was won. Now, it's this article in the sporting regulations, 48.12, which is all about the safety car, basically. And it says, if the clerk of the course considers it safe to do so, and the message lapped cars may now overtake has been sent to all teams involved, any cars that have been lapped by the leader will be required to pass the cars on the lead lap and the safety car. Now, that means any of those eight cars that have been lapped will be required to pass the front runners and the safety car. Now, Red Bull were arguing any doesn't necessarily mean all, but I find that (laughs) any does mean all. It's so stupid because if, if, if any means any, what are they going to take a pick and go, all right, 14th, 16th can go. Do you know what? 15th, we don't like him. So you've got to stay behind the car. It's absolute load of rubbish. Exactly. And you've also got to take into the fact that, for example, you had, of, of all the, pretty much, there was a few different cars fighting for the last points position in 10th. Leclerc, Vettel and Ricardo in 10th, 11th and 12th. Now, Ricardo was behind Verstappen. Vettel and Leclerc were in front of Verstappen. Now, arguably, and you could even include Stroll in this as well behind Ricardo. Arguably, because those five were allowed to go, but Ricardo and Stroll weren't, that's arguably knackered up Hmm. Ricardo and Stroll's race as well. 100%. Now, obviously, people will say, oh, yeah, well, that's for a point. This is for a championship. You know what I mean? It's not at the, at the it's sporting. You're supposed to be fair to all competitors. So arguably, McLaren and Aston Martin could have had a go. Yeah. Although Aston Martin probably not because Vettel was one of. Them, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 this is the thing is it, it it's about having that consistency across the board. Hmm. It by by completely discounting the 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 Ricardo battle and saying, well, it's you know. It's for less points. It, it, it doesn't matter in the championship standings. That doesn't hold. Like I know I keep using football analogies, but that's like not bothering giving penalties to a, a minnow team because you're saying, well, they're not going to win anyway. Exactly. It's not, like it's not like it's worth the World Cup. It's like that's not the point. You The, the, the foundations of the sport are in the, those rules. And if you start discounting those rules and applying them willy-nilly, because it will make good TV and because it will make good Netflix. We may as well not turn up and race. We may as well just let them do a script and we'll watch them direct it at Netflix HQ. If, if that's the way we're going, fine, but tell us that. Tell us it's a show. Don't tell us it's a sport. And then make things up with literally seven or eight corners to go before the last lap. And I... I'm going to go to a comment from George Russell. Obviously, we know George mm. is going to Mercedes, but it's Formula One driver stepping out. He tweeted straight afterwards, this is unacceptable. Max is an absolutely fantastic driver who had an incredible season, and I have nothing but huge respect for him. But what just happened is absolutely unacceptable. I cannot believe what we've just seen. Totally agree. Yeah, Totally, totally agree. And like I say, I know he's going to Mercedes, but it, it definitely still stands. Um, Lando had a brilliant comment where <laughs> Ziggo Sports said to him, have you seen the last five minutes of the race? And he went, no, I was driving. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I it, it, it's a dangerous turn that we're taking. 
without trying to go to I don't know apocalyptic in 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 my kind of my rhetoric and things but this does set a very bad precedent that that we're we're trying to value entertainment over sport exactly and and this brings me on to to the point that I was going to make you turn the clock back well I, I don't know how many arguably you could say you turn it back to to 1990 for example and what happened with Senna and Prost obviously following 89 when uh, they took each other out. You can even go to 94 with Michael Schumacher and Damon Hill. Dirty tactics to win a title, fair enough. The, okay, there is this TV audiences there, but this Netflix involvement that's been there since 2018, since Liberty Media took over, it, it feels like well, it's, it's introduced more, it's introduced a bigger audience for Formula One. We understand that. And we know that, especially this season, because of lockdown, we've had so many more people watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. So it's appealed more, especially to the American audience. That's why we've got a second race at Miami. But it's also, as you mentioned, it's added more of an entertainment value. And yes, sport does bring entertainment with it. There were six and a half million people that watched Channel 4 on Sunday, for goodness sakes. Over five and a half million people watching Channel 4 live that haven't had a Grand Prix, apart from the British Grand Prix, live since, funnily enough, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2018, watching Formula One, even though they could not care less about it, just because of how exciting and big this is. This was arguably the biggest race for a UK audience in more than a decade. So there is a definite entertainment value. But the Netflix aspect has, in my opinion, makes it feel like entertainment has taken over from sport. Like there was a rush to get this race resumed. Now I can understand there was an agreement with the teams that they didn't want to finish under a safety car because they wanted to finish it under a normal racing conditions. That's fair enough. But it seems to me like they said lap cars weren't going to overtake. Fair enough. As you mentioned, if you're going to do that, stick to it. But then as soon as they've seen it's clear, right, let's hurry these five cars out the way. So we've got Hamilton, Verstappen, and they can just decide it over one lap. But hold on a minute. You've got, it's like, it's like, for example, doing the 100 meter Olympic final and one and one of the competitors starts with shoes that are tied in a knot, you know what I mean? Or shoes on the wrong feet, do you know what I mean? It's not giving an equal opportunity. I can understand that was strategic. Red Bull knew this could be a possibility. Fair enough. But surely if you red flag the race, you let them sort it out, Let's be fair. No bugger is going to turn it off. They're going to wait. Hmm. Arguably, if you're going to decide it fairly, which is the key aspect here, Hamilton may have had that 12 second lead under a safety car. That means nothing. The race is neutralized. What it means, though, is if you are wanting a fair conclusion to this championship, you red flag the race, you neutralize it completely. You give everyone equal tools, shall we say. You restart it, and so they're on completely new tyres, both of them, and you let it go for one last lap or whatever you're going to do. The way that finished was a joke. I agree, and I'm probably going to come back on myself a little bit. Whether it's the Netflix side of it, I'm not so sure. I think there's the, there's the pressure of the entertainment, but I actually just think it was a pure inability to run a race. From, from the FIA's perspective, I think they were just being inept um, in the indecision. Um, you're right, red flag the race. And we had this in Saudi where the only things we were, we were angry about in Saudi was the, you know, the, the driving ability of, of Max and, and his conduct was was horrific and and how they did the penalties 
I didn't really have a problem at all with any of the red flags. And I'm and I'm more than happy for red flags to be used because safety is paramount. Mercedes have seen that crash and gone, well, that's getting red flagged. Because it's happened pretty much every single time this season when you've had a car like that. They might do a safety car for one lap and then red flag it. So they've they've shown all this precedent there. They've then said that the <laughs> that the lap cars are going to stay behind. And then they change on both those things. Red flag it. And we're still at this advantage where this stupid rule where you can change any part of your car under a red flag is still in place, which should get changed. However, this was the one opportunity where that rule would have come in to make it really entertaining. Obviously, it would have massively benefited Lewis because he was at a tyre disadvantage, but it would have made for that absolute grandstand finish that we were all craving. But we didn't get that. And I I can't see Michael Massey still being in that job for for the first race of the season. That I think that is going to be the the, the news we're going to get in the next in the next few weeks. Um I think so we don't kind of keep on this point. Do you think that we're going to end up in court over this. Yes, I think there's no doubt about it. We know that the two protests that Mercedes lodged were rejected. Arguably, I don't know if they should have been rejected because the defence was basically using Article 15.3. The race director has overriding authority by the use of the safety car. Now, I understand where Michael Massey is coming from in the sense that there's a lot of people that have said Michael Massey's replaced Charlie Whiting, who we sadly lost at the start of the 2019 season. That's not the case. Charlie Whiting was responsible for a number of roles, one of which was the race director's position. Michael Massey has only taken over that position not the others. The others have been left vacant, one of which has now just been filled as of yesterday. So I understand it's a difficult job from his perspective and the all eyes are on him. But the way it's been dealt in the sense that he is not Lord Almighty Saviour and controller of race. He's the race director. He is there to make sure the races run properly and correctly. And in this case, it wasn't. I don't see him surviving this. I think it will be a resignation because there is over half of the drivers and teams now that have lost confidence in him after this weekend. We are going to have a new FIA president as of Friday whether that be, um, I can't remember who it is, but there's two names. One is an English one, an Englishman. One is, um, I'm trying to remember where the nationality of the other one. It slips my mind. But they've got a big job on their hands. Uh, Graham Stoker, I think, is uh, the English. Correct. Yeah. Um, so whoever does get it has got a big mess on their hands. There is the prize giving ceremony of Thursday night, but this is going to rumble rumble on for weeks and months. And of course, Mercedes have actually got um, Paul Harris QC, who was the lawyer um, who helped Man City avoid their UEFA ban last year. So this yeah. is a guy that is very, very used to going for the for the big court cases and things, mm. um, and and really standing up for. For, for teams, so they've they're not they're not half-hearted in 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 this. Mm. I don't see it actually changing anything, though. I, w- I will no. I will say that I, I don't think anything will change, and I'm going to say that I actually feel sorry for Max. Agree. This has, yeah, he's not been perfect. Neither is Lewis. The championship deserved a clean race. We got that. We got a clean race. We just didn't get a proper race. And and it 
we are going to have a bit of a cloud over over the 2021 season. And I think until Max inevitably wins another championship, he is going to be Max Verstappen world champion with a with an asterisk over over his name, unfortunately. Indeed. So apart from that, we had George Russell's final race in the Williams, finished with a, a power loss. Kimi Raikkonen finished his last Grand Prix forever um, with a with a with a suitable Kimi response, shall we say? Yeah, uh, they tried to to change his his car. No, it ain't working. It's not safe. Just call it a day. Uh, so Kimi's off now to to do whatever the hell he likes. He deserves it. And uh, Sergio Perez didn't finish the Grand Prix either. There was a, a rush to get him into the pits. Some rumour going around that it was to do with a lack of fuel. There wasn't enough fuel left in it, um, which obviously if there'd been another, well, if, if he'd have stopped on track, it would have elongated the safety car, which would have obviously handed Hamilton the title. Um, so who knows about that? But what we do know is that Max Verstappen is the world champion and Mercedes have won the Constructors' title. As we say, there is a cloud over Formula One at the moment as a result of that Grand Prix. It has been talked about numerously and it will be talked about for many, many months more. We are not going to talk about it for much longer um, because we have to move on to our driver of the day. Now, obviously, we know Kimmy got the official fan vote of this because that's what happens when a driver is in his last Grand Prix. Hulkenberg got it um, in 2019. Um, Poor Giovinazzi. <laughs> yes, you have to feel a bit sorry for him. Um Fernando Alonso got it at uh, at Abu Dhabi back in 2018. But who is your driver of the day? Well, there's actually a few genuine contenders for this, I think, because I think Max and Lewis both drove fantastically. Lewis was the quickest on the day. I think he drove a really, really solid race, didn't really put a foot wrong at all, aside from the kind of the arguable, did he give enough room back to Max? I actually think I'm going to give it, though, to to Yuki. Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, a career best finish, fourth place. And yeah, we had a few retirements, but he absolutely smashed it and he beat Gasly. And that's massive for him because Gasly has absolutely destroyed him this year. And Yuki beat Gasly on track, on merit. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, well done Sonoda for me. Indeed. Now, I could argue there are, are plenty of contenders. Carlos Sainz for getting a podium. Um, Max and Lewis as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of others. The one I think that sticks out, and as much as it pains me, I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez. Yeah. Because the tactic that he did in, in qualifying set Verstappen up for a monster lap that no one could touch. The, the strategic defense that was played by him to hold up Hamilton and reduce a 15-second a gap to, to a one-second gap ridiculously good arguably would have been on the podium had he actually finished the race but obviously he didn't Sergio Perez for me is the driver of the day now we don't need to bother with moment of the weekend because all contenders are out the window this weekend that last five minutes it's not funny it's crazy it's stupidly crazy and that wins full full stop and so, as we uh, as we draw to a close the final Grand Prix of the season, it does mean there are uh, plenty of comments, I assume, on this. There was plenty, and there still are, all over social media. Um, do we have any from our viewers? Uh, yeah, we have. Um, <laughs> we had a three-word one from Eduardo um, when he said, a few weeks ago he'd said that we were going to be tied into Abu Dhabi, winner takes all, and he replied with three words called it <laughs> he did well done eddie um five ten points for gryffindor on that one um and then we had one from danny saying if you get me on this podcast i'm about to destroy all professionalism um and i know from speaking to him he is fuming about what happened 
he thinks it was an absolute joke and and I couldn't agree more it it really really was a dark moment for 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 the sport uh so yeah that there, there are comments um for, for this weekend um feel free to keep messaging us in I'm sure we'll be doing some more episodes in the off season and and when the inevitable court cases and appeals come through I'm sure we'll be uh, covering that as well so yeah keep those comments coming in yes so to round up the uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix although whatever you want to call it you can Max Verstappen wins the Grand Prix under controversial circumstances and takes the fastest lap as well to win the world championship Hamilton in second after doing everything he possibly could other than uh, than being an FIA race director basically um and having having the ability to do a pit stop in about 3 seconds uh, to stick some new boots on his tires um or having a, a Mercedes made of bubble wrap um to defend against Verstappen Carlos Sainz gets a podium in third his fourth podium of the season and finishes ahead of his teammates in his first season for Ferrari. As James said, a career best fourth position for Yuki Sonoda, who beats his teammate Pierre Gasly for the first time this season. Valtteri Bottas signs off five years at Mercedes with a cannonball into the Abu Dhabi pool and a sixth place finish in the race. Uh, Lando Norris finishes somewhere other than 10th or 9th for the for the first race in quite a while. He gets seventh. Esteban Ocon in eighth. Fernando Alonso with El Plan. Uh, gets ninth and then Charles Leclerc in 10th with a final points paying position only because he was allowed to overtake the safety car. Yep. And then in P11, we had Sebastian Vettel and Danny Ricciardo. Um, Following that, we had Lance Stroll in P13 and the final actual finishing car was Mick Schumacher in P14. Uh, DNS for this race. Sergio Perez, after probably one of the best battles all season, uh, we've talked about him, lack of fuel looking like the potential there. Uh, following that, we had Nicholas Latifi, who binned it into the wall and the ensuing chaos after that. I feel really sorry for him. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, it's just kind of his career really, isn't it? Just uh, George Russell uh, signs off Williams with, uh, with the DNF, but getting ready for probably a title challenge next year uh, so I think he was just ready to get out the car as quick as possible and get straight in that Mercedes which he did today um, and then finally Kimi Raikkonen um, with his somewhat pathetic little crash into the barrier um, and then an early retirement to go and have an ice cream and finally have the water uh, well done Kimi uh, thank you for an amazing 21 years indeed now uh, you may have noticed why is there only 19 there and that's because the uh, the person that shall not be mentioned on this program um, for obvious reasons, uh, was not taking part in uh, in the race because he got COVID. So a uh, bit of sympathy for him. Yes, uh, hopefully he does get better. Um, but uh, but that's about it. Um, so a little bit of news to bring you just before we sign off. Max Verstappen, obviously, because he's won the championship, he takes the number one car for next season. He will have the number one which we haven't seen since Sebastian Vettel had it in 2014. And um, just remind me, what happened to Sebastian Vettel in 2014? <laughs> didn't have a very good time. Oh, wait, no, he, he won. <laughs> 2014? He won in 20... No, he didn't. Oh, my God. What's up with me? Help! <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what happened in 2014. Sebastian Vettel, the four-time world champion got absolutely shafted by a young Aussie making his debut in a top team called Daniel Ricciardo. Are we saying that Sergio Perez is going to absolutely mash Verstappen next year then? No, what it does mean is Daniel Ricciardo is going to be 2022 Formula One world champion. End of story. That is the real um, news. <laughs> that is, once uh, once that McLaren uh, finds its feet over the winter break and these new cars come in, either that or it's a Hamilton H title that we need. So your final point standings then at the end of the season, Max Verstappen with 395 and a half. Hamilton, eight. Uh, yeah, that is right. Eight points behind um, Valtteri Bottas finishes third with 226. Sergio Perez on 190 and fourth. Carlos Sainz finishes fifth with 164 and a half ahead of Lando Norris in sixth with 160. One point in front of Charles Leclerc in seventh. 
Daniel Ricciardo was very nearly overtaken by Pierre Gasly for eighth uh, after he had another uh, failure to, to get a point in a Grand Prix. Uh, he'll be uh, up at the top next season, no doubt. Gasly in ninth with 110, five behind Ricciardo. And uh, Fernando Alonso, first season back in F1 in the L plan peen, uh, finishing on 81 points in 10th. Just behind him, we've got Esteban Ocon with a very respectable 74 points, helped um, quite a lot by his win at Hungary. Um, following that, we've got Sebastian Vettel on 43 points in 12th. Just behind him is his teammate on 34 points, Lance Stroll in 13th. Yuki Sonoda with 32 points, making that look nice and juicy. Now he got that fourth place uh, right at the end of the season. 15th place, we've got George Russell uh, with 16 points. Hell of a lot more than he was expecting, I think, at the start of the season. So well done to Williams there. Kimi Raikkonen signs off his Formula One career uh, with 10 points. Nicholas Latifi finally gets on the board with seven points this season after that run of a few points scoring positions. Uh, P18, Antonio Giovinazzi with three lonely points to finish his F1 career and bob off to Formula E, along with a lot of other (laughs) Formula One rejects over the years. Uh, Welcome to IndyCar in three years, Antonio Giovinazzi and then probably into a GT car in Le Mans. Uh, And then 19th place, Mick Schumacher finishes his first Formula One season with a predictable zero points in the Haas. 20th position, we have Robert Kubica um, with the same amount of points. And then behind Robert Kubica, Nikita Mazepin. Wow. Yeah. 21st in a 20 driver championship. Um, Although saying that, Latifi did get that last year, so but that is only because of Nico Hulkenberg. Um, so there we are. Mercedes win the constructors' championship with 613 and a half points, Red Bull 585 and a half. And I'm not good enough at doing that. That's 28 points difference there. Ferrari on 323 and a half, getting third. McLaren put up a good fight, but they had bombed the last few races. 275 for them, El Planpine uh, with 155, what should have been known as Renault, Alpha Tauri with 142, Aston Martin. Um, despite the fact they've actually got a car that is called the 177, they finish in seven on 77. Uh, Williams on 23, um, which is going to be honest, quite possibly the amount of more than the amount of points they'll get for the next four seasons. Um, (laughs) Hopefully the development is a lot better next year. Alfa Romeo on 13, which just shows how unlucky Alfa Romeo has been this season. And uh, no surprises that uh, the team that is going more Russian as we speak, uh, Haas will finish last with and on that point, someone did say that uh, Gunter Steiner's career is definitely in doubt now as Netflix do have genuine on-track material to work with this season. <laughs> exactly, yes. But uh, but there we are. Uh, so that wraps up the, uh, the 2021 Formula One World Championship. And even though we only covered the second half of it, uh, we've covered a lot in the last 12 episodes. Um, we will be returning very soon for a, a season review because we feel a bit bad that we've only given you the second half of the season. So we'll, we'll do a, a little bit to run through the first half as well. Um, and we'll have some specials over the winter as well um, to dissect all the news as we head towards 2022 and this brand new season and this new era for Formula One. Uh, there are no plans for us to attend any Grand Prix next season. Uh, do any live specials unless I come into about £300,000 worth of uh, of riches, shall we say. Um, otherwise, then we'll we'll see you at Monaco. Um, but, uh, but we, we will, will take back. donations. <laughs> yes. Um, although there is actually a very good deal on the Monaco Grand Prix at the moment, but there you are. Um, now, before we finish uh, this, it is the answer to the trivia question, quite possibly... The most vaguest trivia question I think I've ever come across in 12 episodes of this programme. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, So just as a bit of a uh, a recap, how many individual components is a Formula One car made up of? And I said I'd give it to the nearest 10,000, so I'm sure it's going to be an educated guess. Um, Oh, yes, very, very much so. That engineering degree that you don't have. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got two degrees, and funny enough, one is in sports journalism, but no chance. 
Um, I'm gonna guess at. Hmm, I'm gonna say forty-four thousand seven hundred. So I don't have it that specific, but you need to double it. Eighty thousand separate components. Bloody hell! Which I thought was a lot, but when you consider that there's about 250 different button combinations on the steering wheel... Oh, yes. It, it's soon going to rack up. Um, so, yeah, there we go. When, when when we do say that, you know, the Haas has got a dog of a car, these are teams that are coming up with what are effectively 80,000 bespoke parts. It's impressive. It, it's the, the edge of technology, uh, the edge of what, what humans can do. Uh, but that being said, hats are still crap. <laughs> and above all that, it means that uh, despite the fact that there's over 80,000 parts on a Formula One car, well, that rear wing has caused more problems this season than anything. And uh, the only thing that breaks off Hamilton's car is the little end plate on the right of the front wing. Um, so there you are. That is it for the uh, the first series of this program we will of course be back for 2022 and uh, there'll be plenty more daniel ricardo fan fantasia shall we say from myself in 2022 um this program will most certainly be going papaya and uh, there'll be plenty more unbiased biasy on this program shall we say so from uh, from the both of us Thanks for joining us for this 2021 Formula One World Championship here on Preview, and it's goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.